Praise the Lord. While you're standing, thank you. It's just a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord. I can't think of any place I'd rather be than right here. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to look in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. Anybody like reading Samuel? Love those stories. Just love the stories of King Saul and, and his you know, elevation to king and, and then his fall. Doesn't One thing you find about the Bible, it doesn't just give you all the good stuff. <laughs> Someone makes a mistake, it tells us that too. Because they're human, like you and like me, like we are. So 1 Samuel, I want to look at chapter 17. And we're going to read verses 4 through 8. I realize you're standing, but I'll stand longer than you will. So he reads on, verse 4. He says, and there went out a champion. Someone say champion. Out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Anyone getting a word picture here? Are you starting to see this? And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him and verse 8 and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them why are ye come out to set your battle in array and not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul choose you a man for you and let him come down to me Anyone ever had to deal with a bully before? He was a bully. Standing out there just proclaiming this and that. And 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're just going back two chapters, verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for this is he. Just want to preach, teach just a little time on this Sunday morning about chosen. Help me pray, would you please? God of heaven, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your presence, God. We do. We thank you for this beautiful people, God, and we thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that your word not return void and let it stir up in our hearts, God, that which you purpose to do. And I pray, and someone say in Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Goliath was the choice of the Philistines. He was referred to as the champion, not the, not the giant. We called him the giant, but the scripture said he's Goliath, the champion. He was of enormous stature. Anybody remember someone in high school that was bigger than everybody else? I do too. I remember just going back, our quarterback on our football team, and I didn't play football because I was too small. 
As a sophomore, I still wrestled 98, Brother Bob. I know, that was a long time ago. And so when I went out there and you put your gear on, you're going against those guys that were a lot bigger than you, it hurt too much. I said, I'll go cross-country running. <laughs> Try to catch me if you can. But there were guys that were big, and I remember the quarterback, he just seemed like an enormous guy. And I saw him at my reunion, my 40-year reunion, and he wasn't very big. But he seemed big back then. Goliath wasn't someone you looked at later on and said, well, he really wasn't that big. Oh, yes, he was. He was much bigger than anyone else that you saw on casual walking down the street. And Goliath is here in our opening reading in chapter 17. He's challenging the Israelites. Is there someone who will fight me on your behalf? Well, it should have been the king, Saul. Or it should have been Saul saying to maybe to Abner, hey, why don't you go out there and fight him? I don't know. How about you? How about we do rock, paper, scissors? That's two out of three. But no one wants to go out there and fight against this man. As kids, I remember, and even as an adult, Sister Tina, that where we would pick teams, we would pick sides. We'd gather them up and everyone would go together and, and sometimes we would do something silly. We'd all throw something in the middle and you'd pull it out. We'd play pickup hockey. So nobody knows how to stack the teams. You throw your stick in there. Well, pretty soon you get to recognizing whose stick is who. You know who you're going to pick. I don't want that guy, man. He's the fastest. But as kids growing up, we would pick teams and choose sides. And in doing so, it might be someone who was extremely good at hitting the baseball. Maybe he was Chuck the Crusher. Hit the ball all the way to kingdom come so far. Maybe it was fastball Freddy. He could throw the ball so fast if you were playing baseball or dodgeball. That's the, that's the correct way to write, say it. Dodgeball. And so maybe it was kick the can and you wanted somebody, it was somebody super fast, you know. <laughs> maybe it was Rocket Robbie. Yeah. You want him on your team, man, when everyone's all caught and they're stuck in that little home base thing going, please, I don't want to, just please, where's Robbie? And he throws on the afterburners, comes flying in and kicks the can and everyone goes in and we run off and go hide again. These games where you would look to see who you would choose. And you always chose those, it seemed. If you were one of those individuals who are, like I mentioned, Brother Mike, so 95 mile an hour fastball or more. Yeah, you want him on your team pitching. Or you want Rocket Robbie. Or you want someone that's this or that. You're cheese using your team based upon their qualifications or maybe what they were or how they would fit in the schematics of the team. Right? Well, if you were none of those, Sometimes it was tough getting down to the end. Please, Lord, don't let me be chose last. I know none of you ever did that before. Prayed that before. Please, don't let me be chose last. You know, it's funny how you remember things as a little kid. 
things that, that just kind of stand out in your mind. I remember, uh, very small, I was, um, I would have been first grade, first grade, and I wanted to play baseball with all the big kids. And they were playing in the cul-de-sac, Brother Corey, and they were, I remember this, I know they were playing, and I wanted to play, and it was like, now you can't play. They were all grown up. They were big kids. I mean, they were like third graders. <laughs> and and they wouldn't they didn't want me to play. And so I'll never forget they're playing in my cul-de-sac, and I am watching as close as I can because I'm envisioning me up at the bat. And there I am standing, and I'll never forget. There's a kid, he's got his back to me and he's getting ready. I could look, see the pitcher, he throws the ball, and and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to swing right through this. And next thing I know, I see the bat. As he swings through the ball, he swings through, and he hits me right across the forehead and knocks me end over end. And so that was as close as I got to that game. And I remember as I jumped up, kind of startled. I couldn't believe I was that close to the batter. And next thing you know that I, I just saw all these kids and they just looked with this horrified look on their face and they took off to run. And I'm just standing there. Man, where did everyone go? And so I remember hollering for my mom. She had been outside. I knew she was outside. And I hollered, Mom. And I hear this, what? Mom. What? Mom! What? As I walked around to where the voice was coming from, Brother Cullen, and I came around the garage, and there was my mom bent over, and she was gardening in the little flower bed. And I said, Mom, and she goes, what's your problem? And she turned and looked at me and threw the shovel up in the air. So then it scared me, and so then I began to cry, and she cried and grabbed me underneath her arm and threw me in the car and drove me over to the military hospital to whom which they knew me by name. <laughs> and they began to put me back together <laughs> like Humpty Dumpty. Last chosen. Have fun. In 1 Samuel 16, I have to just digress a little bit. We know that Saul had been chosen to be king God chose him, Brother Marco. God chose him. And he's described as a man who was head and shoulders above other men. He was goodly. Obviously, he was good-looking, strapping guy. Not as big as Goliath, but he was big. But he's not described the same way David's described. David's described as a man after God's own heart. I give you Acts chapter 13. Skipping way ahead of myself, but so here is Saul, and he and he begins to make a mistake. He starts, his whole life just begins to crumble in front of him, and and in this case, in chapter sixteen, he's told by Samuel to go get rid of the Amalekites. And so time won't permit that I could go tell you. You read it for yourself. But he's supposed to go get rid of the Amalekites, who had been very. Um, instrumental in causing the Israelites to suffer. You know that God takes notice to those who make you suffer. He takes notice. 
He sees, and he's, he gets the last word. And so uh, Samuel ends up showing up, and Saul uh, and he have a conversation, and, and Saul says, let me just tell you about what God's going to do to you. He's going to pull your kingdom from you because you disobeyed him. And, and so he is immediately looking for a replacement. And in chapter 16, we find where uh, that God says to Samuel, now I want you to go to Jesse's house and I want you to bring yourself a, a horn of oil because there is something I'm going to do here. God's already making plans and provisions for a replacement. And so he does that. He says, go to Jesse's house, chapter 16, verse number 1. And verse 6, he has, all of a sudden, he has the eldest of Jesse's son. His name is Eliab. And Eliab shows up and comes and walks before the prophet. And the prophet is, all right, Lord, this must surely be him. Nope, not him. He says, uh, look not on his countenance, verse 7. And verse 8. He says, well, surely Abinadab II must be the one that the Lord has chosen to replace Saul. Not the case. Then comes Shammah, the third son in line. Verse number 9, and then verse 10, he just begins to bring all of the brethren. Just, just put them in a line because they're coming before him. And when they all come through, Samuel says, I'm paraphrasing, but read it for yourself. Samuel says, is there any more? Have you not any more sons? Verse 11, he says, Are these here all thy children? Well, there's the youngest, and he keeps the sheep. Samuel says, Fetch him. We'll wait. And verse 12, it tells us about what takes place here. We read this. But from the beginning, and he was sent and brought him, and he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is the chosen one. To be chosen is one who is the object or, or of the choice or of divine favor, an elect person. Chosen. This young man that we would come to find out would be a great man of God, considered to be one of the greatest kings of all time. And it was, he was a, he was a human, and he was a man like other people are, but he had a heart that desired to please God. And God could use this man. He says he's chosen, he's elect. And in 1 Samuel 17, Here's Goliath. He's chosen. But he's chosen by the Philistines. And David, sent by his father. You think that God knew in advance what was going to happen? Of course he did. He knew all along how the, how the tides would change. And all of a sudden, the, the, they would face this Goliath. And, and David would be sent by his own father to bring cheese and bread and wine unto his brethren, who surely must need some refreshment since they've been in the battle. For some time, and he shows up, and here is this champion challenging all of these people, saying, Send me a man. 
Somebody come fight me. No Saul, no Abner, none of David's brethren. Choose you a man, verse 8. You see, God chose himself a man prior to this event. Samuel anointed him, but God chose him. When no one else would fight, David's the one who said, is there not a cause? 1 Samuel 17, 32, it says, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He's making, a, he's making a fuss over there. He's really making a ruckus as he's, he's going, what? He's trying to get someone. You know, don't you see? This guy's he's standing against the children of God. How can we let him keep doing this? Come on, let's go. Let's fight. And none of them wanted any part of it. And then they began to think he was some big show-off, some big braggadocious individual. Saul says to David after they bring him before the king, he says, thou art but a youth. You're just a kid. See, a lot of times that's how we view people. Sometimes that's exactly how we view ourselves. You're just a kid. You're just a greenhorn. You're just a new convert. You're just this. You're just that. We begin to make excuses. And he says in verse 34, he says, begins to tell the story how a lion and a bear came in when he was tending to the sheep. And, and he begins to, as they, they took a sheep from the fold, and he, he, he fought for them. And he took the lion and he took the bear and slew them. And it's not that... David is there, and any, anything that you read, any commentaries, and you read it yourself, this isn't someone saying, this is someone saying, you don't understand. God has equipped me. He chose me, and he equipped me. He gave, he gave me those sheep to take care of them. And so he's just telling Saul that I just took care of them. I, I just got to read you this cute little thing I found. Now, in Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says this, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? And so I, got, I have to get my glasses. I can't read this small. Uncle George. Aunt Sarah and Mrs. Wood were sitting on the porch one summer afternoon. The two women began carrying on a long conversation trying to impress each other how religious they were. I haven't missed going to church on Sunday for 40 years, said one. The other says, every night since I was a little girl, I've gotten down on my knees to pray before I go to sleep. They droned on and on until finally Aunt Sarah turned to Uncle George and said, we both know that Mrs. Wood is a good religious person. But don't you think I've lived a little closer to the Lord? <laughs> to which Uncle George replied, I don't think either of you are crowding him much. <laughs> Talking about being chosen. It's so easy to look in our Bibles and see individuals and think they're superhuman when they're not. From all walks and every direction, 
They're just folks just like you and I. They're tax collectors. They're fishermen. You know, they're farmers. They, they just, they're construction workers. They just are folks just like you and I. But I want you to know that the Lord is choosing his team. He's choosing you and I to be on his team. Exodus 32, verse 26 said, who's on the Lord's side? He's choosing a team. He's choosing individuals to be on his team. 1 Peter 2, 4 says, we're chosen of God and precious. Your height doesn't matter. Ephesians 1, 4 says, you're chosen from the foundations of the world. Your weight doesn't matter. Color your hair or your eyes, it's not important to God. John 15, verse number 19, he says, I have chosen you out of the world. Your talents doesn't matter to God. As a matter of fact, he really would much rather that you don't have any talent. A lot of times we rely on our own talents and our own, you know, accomplishments. And when we're more reliant upon him, it's much more appealing to the Lord. Psalm 65 verse 4 said, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. What you look like, doesn't care. How much education you got, Brother Justin, doesn't matter to God. He's choosing his team. He's pulling the members together. And there were a body, one body, but many members. And everyone has an important part. I would to God when this is done, someone would recognize the fact that you are valuable to God. You are important to God. Your neighbor's not more important than you are. You're not. It's not, it doesn't work that way. I realize that he sets some in the church different positions, and we know that we talked recently about the fivefold ministry and prophets and evangelists and teachers and preachers and all of that. Hey, they're important to God. But so are you. So am I. He sees our potential, church. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 says he's chosen you. When will we? I mean me. When will I recognize that the captain of the team, Jesus, has chosen you? He's chosen me to be on his team. He's not leaving many of us out. We're not the last one that he looks down on the list and says, well, that guy, what a loser. He can't run. He can't hit. He can't throw. I don't even want him on my team. I remember hearing even as a kid, Brother Darren, people would say, yeah, I tell you what, you can have him. We'll play short because they didn't even want him on their team. I'm telling you what, Jesus wants you on his team. He wants you to know you're welcome on his team. 15, 16 of John, he said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Filled with unlikely characters, that's the Bible. David with a sling and a stone. 
took on Goliath, a champion, and he won. Daniel took as an elder on a lion in a lion's den, and he overcame him. Three Hebrew children, just to mention a few, got thrown into a fiery furnace. When they looked in there, they said, we see four. And one looks like the son of God. The captain's in the middle of that one. You're not on your own. Rahab, Gideon. Did I give you Hebrews 11? Look at Hebrews 11, even verse 30 on through 40. You can read them all yourself, but it goes on fast. He said, walls of Jericho fell down. After that, they were compassed about seven days. And keep going fast. Harlot Rahab perished not with them. Why? Because she received the spies with peace. 32, what shall I say? Time wouldn't fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and the prophets. And there are people all over on God's team. They don't even make the heroes of faith in chapter number 11. People that you could look at, they're not even in there. They're not even mentioned. They subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of power, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised up. Come on, take a look at this. Tortured, it didn't matter. Keep going. 36. Trials, cruel mocking, scourgings, bonds, imprisonments, people on the Lord's side, people on his team. Some of them don't even have names, but they're heroes. Somebody didn't even have, they didn't have a pedigree. They didn't have some big all-star, you know, individual in their corner, some, uh, what do they call those guys, the, the sports guys, what are they? Agent. Uh, you should pick this guy up. I'm telling you, he's impressive. Didn't need an agent. The Lord saw what you were capable of doing. The Lord sees what you're capable of doing. Young person, somebody as a young person, hear me. Ah, uh, you weren't chosen just to be a bench warmer. Everybody's a player on his team. Everybody's a participator on his team. Nobody's to be left behind. Nobody is less important than somebody else. I always loved those coaches who took that individual who seemed so least likely to be a hero of a game and put him in, brother, and said, come on, we got faith in you. Oh, no, put in Bobby, man. Bobby's going to park it out of the place. No. Now, if you get to go in, Johnny, we're counting on you. We're with you. We're chosen not to be a bench warmer. Could be an Esther or a Mordecai. Could be an Elisha or an Elijah. Uh, could be a, a young man who just happened to bring a sack lunch. And everyone was like hungry. And he, and he says, I'll share it with you. Huh. Somebody that could teach a Bible study. I would that someone would start believing you can do something in the kingdom. You are a chosen vessel. You're chosen. God looks at you and he sees you and he sees your potential. The devil would like you to be reminded of every failure you've ever made, every mistake you've ever done, everything you've ever put your hands to and it fell apart. 
God's saying, I got faith in you. <laughs> you can go in there. You can do something for me. Heaven talks about those individuals in Revelation 17, 14. He calls them, they're called and they're chosen and faithful. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says it like this, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called you, friend of mine. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Whether you're a saint and you've been sitting on and, and involved in, in ministry for 50 years or more, or you've just been in it a week, I'm telling you what, he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called you to be an all-star. He knows your potential. He knows your capability. like the beginning of this, what it says. But ye, or you, are God's chosen and special people. See, you can't tell me you don't belong in this team. Because it ain't true. You are. He's called you. He's looking. He's looking at all the talent over here, and he says, ha, ah, ha. Uh, maybe you don't have that, but you got a you got a desire to live for me. You got a desire to do right. You're not perfect, but you want to work at it. <laughs> You're desiring to 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 just be better and and be more more involved and start believing, church. Grab a hold of some of those promises, like Philippians four verse thirteen. I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on his team. He's the captain. And I don't know what he sees in me. But he sees something. You can make a difference. You can teach a Bible study. I don't know. Yes, you can. You can help out in Sunday school. You can be involved in door knocking or out there on the street holding up a sign before service. You can be involved. You can be involved. We can be involved, and we can do it together. We can witness. We can pray. We can teach. We can sing. We can play. The only limits are the ones that I place on myself. You're chosen. Stand with me, if you would, please, this morning. I would. If you just, if you don't mind closing your eyes so no one's looking around, it's just, just you and God. I don't know. I'm not asking for everyone to be honest, but I just want you to think about it. If there's, there's some place, even recently, in your walk with God, you just thought, what is my purpose? Why would God even choose me? 
I can't do anything right. I just fail. I just keep falling and I make mistake after mistake. And, and yet, why would he love me? And why would he even care about me? Maybe just a couple of you I'm talking to. I know I'm talking to me. He's chosen you. Esther had to be looking at her elevation to be the queen and wondering, why is it that Mordecai wants me to step out of my box and get out of line and approach the king? And he said just something simple that, I said that just recently amongst the leaders, but he said for such a time as this, John never saw a single miracle, never performed a single miracle. Let me rephrase that. But he was the forerunner to Jesus. I don't know what the Lord has in store for you, but I know it's great things. Maybe you'll be involved in outreach or missionary work. You'll be a preacher. You'll be an evangelist or a preacher's wife or a Or whatever. But I know that God has a spot for you. I know He has a spot for you. He knows your potential. He knows your ability. Sometimes we just have to recognize. So anybody wants to pray today. We have potluck. We're going to have hot dogs and burgers and all kinds of good stuff downstairs. I really hope you can stay and you'll be involved in that fellowship. But if you want to find a place to pray, if you've been wrestling with just what's the purpose of all this? Where do I fit in? I don't know. I'm not sure. I just know that you're chosen. And God's got something for you to do. David was anointed by the man Samuel, the prophet, and then he was sent back out to tend sheep. Chosen. You're chosen by God. Come on, church. Thank you, Jesus.